Welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. Whether you're listening while driving, exercising, sitting at your computer, or doing as one listener recently shared with me, restoring furniture while tuning in, thank you for investing your time with the Ed Leader Podcast as we learn with and from outstanding Ed Leaders. If you have not, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. The podcast has grown exponentially because of your kind words and positive ratings. Remember, you can find show notes, links to references that are cited during each episode, and find each of the previous regular episodes and special series at drrobjackson.com. Today's topic gets to the heart of who we are as ed leaders, instructional leaders charged with making decisions daily about the teaching and learning taking place in our classrooms, our schools, and our district. I'm excited about this two-part episode and want to invite you to enjoy this powerful conversation about growing readers. The old saying that reading is fundamental is true. Reading is fundamental and foundational. It's necessary to access every other content area. We understand that children learn to read by reading. We know that kids need to access to books they want to read, time to read, and loving, knowledgeable teachers who trust them as powerful learners and know how to build on their strengths. We know that an affirming approach, rooted in love, like we know that all teachers and ed leaders have for their students, yields powerful results and turns striving readers into thriving readers. Speaking of thriving, let's get to it. I know that on every episode, you hear me say that I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with my guest. The two guests who join me today are no exception. I'm so excited. They really need no introduction. The co-authors of From Striving to Thriving and, most recently, Intervention Reinvention, Stephanie and Annie are known as trusted thought leaders in the field. After hearing them speak separately in professional development conferences I attended, I could not wait for the three of us to get together and dive a little deeper into their work with striving readers. Stephanie Harvey is the co-author of numerous books for teachers, including Strategies That Work and Inquiry Illuminated. Her many resources co-authored with Ann Goodvis include the Comprehension Toolkit series, short nonfiction for American history, and a wide range of classroom videos. An elementary and special education teacher for 18 years, she currently serves as a literacy consultant to schools and districts around the world. She specializes in comprehension, content literacy, inquiry-based learning, collaboration, striving learners, and the role of passion and wonder in teaching and learning. A teacher first and foremost, she relishes learning and savors any time spent in classrooms working with kids. 
Her co-author, Annie Ward, is Assistant Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction for the Mamaroneck Public Schools in Westchester County, New York. Prior to that, she was a local instructional superintendent for the New York City Department of Education, supervisor of curriculum and instruction for the Ridgewood, New Jersey Public Schools, and a middle school English teacher. She is in this work every single day and offers practical insight in bringing to scale positive growth in literacy for every single student. Please help me welcome two tireless advocates for students and teachers, Ms. Stephanie Harvey and Ms. Annie Ward. Stephanie, Annie, I cannot fully describe what an incredible honor and how much I have been looking forward to this conversation. For our listeners, I will share with you, as you know, I am one of those educators, like most educators, that wants to never stop learning. And so anytime I have the opportunity to hear from a thought leader in the field, I get really excited. And so I got very excited when I had the opportunity to hear from Annie Ward in a staff development that the North Carolina School Superintendents Association put together. As she spoke, my pen was smoking, I think I was taking so many notes. And then, and none of this was planned, it just worked out this way. I had just a month, two months later, the opportunity to hear from Stephanie Harvey at the North Carolina Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development, NCASCD, conference, one of our keynoters, and knowing the two of them had collaborated on one of the books that I've just been wearing out got me really excited about this conversation. And maybe that's too much to start out with, but I'm excited. Stephanie, Annie, welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. Thank you Thank for you. having <laughs> us. Yeah, it's we love your enthusiasm already. <laughs> I, I get excited. I get excited. Well, One of the things that I shared with you both as we were kind of setting the time for us to have this conversation is that in your remarks and in reading the book that you wrote together, you really just fired up the inner elementary teacher inside me and the inner uh, literacy enthusiast inside me. And so it's just so exciting to have this conversation. But but let's kind of um, ground our conversation and start this way. Stephanie, let's start with you. How about sharing with our listeners the work you do and what you're currently really thinking about and working on, and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Well, I was a teacher for 20 years, basically, an elementary teacher and a special ed teacher, and um, then became a staff developer and uh, a district literacy coach, that sort of thing. I taught here in Colorado, where I live, and uh, then wrote my first book in 1996 or came out in 98, I think. And it was, you know, I, I don't know what possessed me to do it, except I got, Tom Newkirk, a wonderful writer in his own right, encouraged me to try it. And I did it. And Annie and I got to know each other. She could tell you because she came to an NCE presentation that I did on that on nonfiction, which the book was called Nonfiction Matters. So we got to know each other that long ago. And then uh, I've been working for many of these years as a staff developer around the country as well as internationally and uh, working with Annie for, uh, I don't know, 15 or so years, I think, maybe, or longer. Maybe. I mean, it's closer to, it's 20. 20? Oh, geez. <laughs> that's, that's the scary part. 
You're right, 20. So for 20 years, both in Ridgewood, New Jersey, where she first was, and then in Merrimack, Mar- New York, where she is now, and she can tell you about that. And that's really where much of the work that we wrote about together and from Striving to Thriving came from, from her district. Yeah. So Annie, yeah. Stephanie, thank you so much. I can tell you that when we were planning our big annual conference and in our board meeting, when um, our executive director shared with us that Stephanie Harvey would be speaking. We all got extremely excited. And <laughs> so, uh, I want to thank you for daring to be courageous enough to write that first book um, and to share exactly. your wisdom. You know, I, I can tell you that I get a little sad when folks retire because I know how much wisdom and expertise and experience is walking out of the door. And so when educators give back to the profession, in this case, through your writing and your staff development, it helps us grow. And so thank you for being willing to do that work. And if you hadn't written that book, then Annie wouldn't have met you. And that's right. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. Annie, tell us about you and the work you do and uh, anything you'd like to share as we kind of get going. Sure. Well, thanks. And again, what an honor this is, because, you know, it's really true. I so I was a middle school English teacher, um, but really one who didn't know much about the reading process. I think that's probably pretty typical that secondary English teachers, um, you know, don't have the background of having taken necessarily some do, but I didn't in terms of formal reading courses, really understanding the reading process. And so um, Steph's first book, I had left the classroom coincidentally in 97 for a staff developer position and nonfiction matters was the first book that I read as I had left the classroom. And I always say it was like a professional coconut that hit me on the head where I thought, <laughs> Oh my Lord, <laughs> you know, I should have been, what a shoulda, coulda really should have been pumping up nonfiction in my classroom library really should have been fostering curiosity. Once that flame is lit, you know, kids are going to read and write and talk like crazy on their own. So that was um, the lesson, one of the first of a zillion lessons that I've taken from my um, my partnership with Steph. Uh, and, and yes, I did stalk her at NCTE in 1999. I was that person hovering with my notebook, um, you know, just waiting to to catch a a, a glimpse of her. Um, So it's really been an honor to collaborate. But I think that um, in my my staff development work and then in my um, administrative work in curriculum and instruction where I've been for a long time, it really comes down to wanting to close that knowing doing gap that that Steph really turned me on to about um, volume, about reading volume. Just the idea that on top of all the really important skill and strategy work that we need to be doing and rightfully so are doing, we need to make sure that kids always have a book in their hand. You know, you talked about being fired up, Rob. When kids are fired up about the book they have in their hands, all kinds of marvelous um, outcomes happen. And it's it's often the variable that we spend the least time thinking about. And so that was really the driving force for me in the collaboration with Steph on Striving to Thriving and then on the, the follow-up intervention reinvention. Yeah, and Annie, I just want to add too that this the 
Robin said, you know, what, what are you focused on now? And for years, my work revolved around nonfiction literacy, comprehension instruction, all of which are very important. We still believe strongly in, but if kids aren't reading, there's no reason to teach a strategy. <laughs> there's no reason to, for them to develop a skill if they have no place to practice it and no place to get, get joy from the whole world that reading has to offer. So volume really has become this incredibly important concept for us. And it seems to be a of all the things that are missing, it's missing the most. Kids actually reading in school. So that's that's really a, a big deal for us. Yeah. There's no question. And so um, let me, with great embarrassment and chagrin, share with the two of you that um, in a separate group, the executive uh, board of the Superintendents Association, we were talking about our professional development and um, Jack Hopes, who's our executive director, shared with us that Annie would be speaking to our group and she would be speaking around the concept of reading volume. And I'm in this meeting and I hear we're going to be talking about reading volume. Now, I, I was an elementary teacher. I thought I had some idea about teaching kids to learn. But when I hear reading volume, I didn't immediately sit up and go, yes, let's talk about reading volume. Right? <laughs> But, but but my faith in my colleagues is such that I said, okay, we'll talk about reading volume. And like I said, as, as Annie was speaking, like I was melting my pen, taking so many notes. And so I cannot wait to get into the conversation about reading volume and what that means and, and just how much I, I've spent so much time thinking about it since, since the first presentation I heard. And then, of course, going through the book. But I want to start with the book's title. So as a longtime educator, as a longtime elementary school teacher, we talked about struggling readers. That was the term, struggling readers. How are we going to help struggling readers? What are we doing with struggling readers? And you purposefully went away from that term. And so one of you share with me, why in the world did you give up on the term struggling readers? Hey, go ahead. Oh, I was going to kick it to you. No, it's either I, one, but yeah. I know. I think we, we, we pretty much are, are mind meld. So. Yeah, we're mind meld on this one. And and I think that, you know, one of the big takeaways um, from Steph is is the importance of language, right? And that that our beliefs drive the language that we use. And then the language that we use really has everything to do with the environment of, of either possibility and encouragement that we provide for kids or more concerningly, sometimes the, the inverse of that. So, and I know we both are hugely influenced by the work of Peter Johnston. So we should give a big shout out to Peter and his first, um, his book, Choice Words, which came out in the early 2000s and then Opening Minds, really talk about the language of educators, classroom discourse and classroom language. And so for us, Rob, that term struggling, it just connotes uh, you know, hopelessness, helplessness. We talked about, you know, the the, the insect in the sink that, you know, can't get out. Right. It, 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 it's just a term that um, is very frequently used. And particularly, as you said, that phrase struggling reader. And there's almost a sense that, um, you know, and especially for me as a middle school educator, by the time kids have had that identity that they've carried with them, there is that feeling of um, even as we're layering on interventions, there's not a lot of confidence that the tables are, are going to turn. So our brilliant editor at Scholastic Ray Coutu 
coined this phrase that we need to table the labels. And that became a really um, key concept. But why don't you you build on that stuff? Right. So, I, you know, I think we really I love Annie mentions the, the insect who's you know, going down the drain. Seriously, you see this. It's serious. It's it's the idea that I mean, how many we, we've all probably had kids or grandkids or that, that played soccer or or baseball or whatever. And if they were referred to constantly as a struggling soccer player, I doubt they'd ever go out and practice. I mean, who would do that? And yet, you know, we did this and it's never with malice aforethought language, but it needs we need to be intentional and think about it. Right. So this so this idea of tabling the labels is really key to us. And, and we do, we thank Ray, but particularly since, since literally year 2000, NCLB, No Child Left Behind, and through on the, re, the, the, the return of the ESEA, um, we, we haven't been thoughtful about how we, what we call kids and labels have become even more common. And kids know if they're the one who are described as challenged or low or slow, they know, and the other kids know, everybody knows, they know where they fit in that rank. Whereas for us striving, I'm right now, all I'm doing right now is striving to connect with the audience that's going to be hearing this with you. Every day we get up as human beings and we strive and occasionally we thrive. That's really true. Most of the time we're striving. So we're very comfortable with that term because we're all doing it. And it's it's effort-based and it shows this progression toward, toward something positive as opposed to just struggling away to no, to nothing. So we feel pretty strongly about it. And I'm glad you asked it because we don't like labels. And one might think, well, striving's a label. So we like to explain that striving is a way of thinking and a way of moving through less life and, and working to be the best you can, right? I tell you, when the two of you start talking about striving versus struggling, I, I, I'm watching you come up out of your seats. You lean forward and get so passionate about it. And I do the same thing. And as an educator who often says things like, I believe in you and I believe in our student and every single student can, when you each said that, it just absolutely hit with me that struggling does have a connotation. Striving also has a connotation and striving regardless of where I am in my life. Like you said, Stephanie, we continue to strive. And there's a positive connotation there that I am working hard, that I am trying and that I am making progress. And so I absolutely love that term. And so the book title, From Striving to Thriving, you talk about in the book and you kind of give us the um, introductory paragraph on the back cover, research on reading volume gives us a clear and empowering professional mandate. You both kind of teased this concept of reading volume. And so Stephanie, let's start with you this time. Give us the give us the, the the elevator speech about what in the world are you talking about when you say reading volume? What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, I've learned a lot from Annie's district and from the work that Annie's teachers do, because I've always been a huge advocate of kids need to read a lot. You get better at reading by reading. There's no question about it, but it goes way beyond that because what we've tried, what we've begun to understand and what we've seen happen in Annie's district under her leadership, as well as the leadership of terrific teachers is they really drill down on volume. They go beyond the idea of, and this is what the books about this is what we've 
thought about, but they go beyond the idea of simply reading more, but that's key. We got to read more, but we also want to support kids to find texts that they can't resist reading more about, to find, to, to help them understand, to be knowledgeable about the newest stuff out there, to know what the, that kid, the black hole kid, we see a new black hole book, we have it in their hands the very next day. All of those sorts of things. We confer with them about about probably spend more time conferring with them in our workshop time around book selection than anything else. Because if they're not in the right book, we can't teach them anything. So I think what we've learned in the in the new book is particularly um, goes into this in depth is how to drill down even further on volume. And Annie, speak to it because what they do in her district is pretty extraordinary. I think, yeah. I've, I've oh, well, I mean, one one concept and and um, I think one concept that w- we took away from Dick Allington's research and so many other reading researches is also that, yes, volume is literally how much how much you read. Right. How Whether you're defining that by pages, by books, however you want to quantify that. But also that idea that 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 the really powerful um, voluminous reading is high success reading, right. a reading that kids are doing with a high right. degree of um, of comprehension, of accuracy, but also just plain joy, curiosity, uh, passion, interest. Right. So it's a book that is real when kids are enthralled, when they're really compelled. And and ask anyone who's ever observed a child. I mean, you can spot that um, a mile away. And and we give lots of examples in the book. When kids have, first of all, just the physical proximity. What For any of us, when we're reading a book that we love, it's right there. It's in the car on the the passenger seat in case we're, you know, stuck in traffic somewhere or we're carrying it. It's the same with kids. When kids are clutching their books and having them close at hand, you can almost guess before you even can fur with the kid. Whereas if the kid says, oh, you know, it's in my locker. I can't find it. I can't find it. I forgot it. It's because the kid really doesn't give a hoot. And it's that more workmanlike um, connection. So it's not just the the volume, the the amount, but it's also um, that this is high success reading and that kids are highly motivated to do. And that's why, as Steph said, paying so much attention on the front end to book matching and just making sure that the kid literally can't wait to um, to dive into that um, into that book. And um, so I just think that's a key thing to mention that, you know, one of the things that I was hearing a lot about in our district was stamina. And um, that just became, I began to really think about that, like, well, wait a minute, I need stamina when I'm doing something that's hard. It may be worthwhile, but it's hard and I've got to, you know, stick to it. I'm on the rowing machine or I'm, you know, whatever it is. When you're in the thrall of a book, that word doesn't even come into play. Right. You 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 know you get off you you forget to get off the subway or you right. the sun goes down and you're still sitting in your beach chair. That's the level of engagement that we're that we're after, right. um, and um, you know that I think is important to say alongside volume. It's not having kids sit there till you finish you know a hundred pages. Right. It's, it's more about creating those flow conditions where the kid is in the in the thrall. Speaking of thrall. That you enjoyed our conversation today with Stephanie and Annie. I want to invite you to join me next time for the second episode of From Striving to Thriving. As the amazing poet Maya Angelou wrote, the best part of life is not just surviving, but thriving. 
with passion and compassion and humor and style and generosity and kindness. She must have been watching a teacher as she wrote this. Thank you for spending time with me today. And thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ad Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.